to you this morning you started talking to me again teach us thy great promises and one of your promises is your own visitation Lord this morning our hearts are hungry for your word we want you to speak to us we are all eager to hear from you. Holy Spirit of God, interpret your word, speak to your word, have your way expressly in our hearts and bring conviction to our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sorry, I must, I want to make one confession. No, maybe because today I'm the one to take the sermon. I came early. <laughs> and uh, I noticed that when I joined this church, I don't think this is what I met. Towards the time we are about to process in, very few people. And uh, I told myself, I don't think I'll be coming late again. No. I don't, <laughs> whatever it costs. I will come early and stay before procession because it's quite a small number and uh, by this time it's a full church and uh, I don't think it's, it's best for us. I don't think it's what God wants us to do. Praise the Lord. Yeah, let's go straight to the point. We are looking at the topic expectant heart for God's visitation. Expectant heart for God's visitation. And uh, I realized that for a heart to be expecting God's visitation, there is something that God wants that heart to possess first. It's just like saying the qualities, the features of a heart that is expecting God's visitation. So this morning, we want to review what is the, is the kind of heart that is qualified to expect the visitation of God. And I also, want, I also want to put it this way, that visitation of God is also revival. For we know that revival cannot commence if God has not visited a man. I want us to quickly look at Genesis chapter 35, 1 to 4. And Exodus, we read some scriptures this morning. Exodus chapter 19, Genesis 35, from verse 1, also Exodus 19, verse 10, I read, Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go to Bethel, and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appears to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make an altar there to God who answers me in the days of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree which was by Shechem. 
Exodus 19, verse 10. The Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and concentrate them today and tomorrow. And let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. The Lord shall come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Praise the Lord. I want somebody to also read for me Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. King James. King James. Can somebody read this in King James? Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. So when we look at this story that happened between God and Jacob. You know, Jacob ran away and he was coming back. And uh, God met him and told him to, that he's entering the land of Bethel. And that is all God told Jacob. And Jacob knew what it means for God to visit somebody. And immediately, he knew what to do. He called his family. What do you do? What are the gods with you? What are the, all the earring, all the things you brought back? You cannot take it to uh, uh, Bethel. And Jacob collected all these things. And he did. I, if I should say, I would say, is it that Jacob read Matthew 5 verse 8? God says, Blessed are those that are pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want us to realize this morning that without purity of heart, there will, there will nothing be God's visitation to a man. God cannot come to a man that his heart is not pure. Before God could speak to the people of Israel, he told Moses, go and tell them, let them wash their clothes, let them prepare themselves, take two days, do it, and I will come down, and I will speak to my people. God does not play with purity. God does not manage impure hearts. So when we are talking of expectant hearts, I think we should be talking of a pure heart. There could be other things that might draw God's attention to a man that you might say, I will do, and God will come and speak to me. But I want to tell you this morning that the, the basic one, the minimum qualification, the minimum requirement for God to visit any man is a pure heart. We can decide to sing. God visited people when they were singing. Eh? Paul and Silas, they sang. And uh, God delivered them from prison. The people of God prayed. And Peter was delivered from prison. At the beautiful gate, they prayed. And the man was get, got healed. And several other miracles and several other things that God could do. But I still want us to know that the basic, the minimum qualification for God to visit a man is a pure heart. Are you with a pure heart? How is your heart? You are expecting God to visit you. We are talking about revival. From this year, we've been talking about revival, revival, revival. And the, I think we are all expecting revival in our lives, in our families, in our church, in the nation. But the truth remains that God cannot come to you as a person except there is a pure heart. The much God can do to you is what he did to Jacob. What did he do to Jacob? He informed Jacob on time. He pre-informed you. He pre-informed Moses. That's what God can do for you. But for him to descend low and compromise his holiness, God will not do that. Praise the Lord. So let us move on. Let's see other stories that will help us to understand that God 
cannot compromise his holiness when he comes to visiting a man. Praise the Lord. So we look at Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 from verse 38. We want to see how Jesus how Jesus handles the issue of purity. However, we can put purity alongside with holiness. But for me this morning I want to quickly use purity, not holiness. Because when we talk of holiness, we will start looking at those things. I'm not immoral, I don't lie, I don't steal, I don't do this, I don't do that. We regard those things as holiness. But I want to go deeper. That purity of heart, for me, and what God is looking for in a man, is beyond the, the picture of holiness that we are seeing. So we see Jesus in Luke chapter 19 from verse 38. Luke chapter 19, 38. Saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if this, should keep, if this should keep silent, the stone would immediately cry out. Now he drew near. He saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you especially, especially in this your day, the things that will make you peace. Make your peace. But now you are hidden, they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build and embark around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So when we are talking of God's visitation, Jesus took a trip to Jerusalem. And the people gathered, and they were praising him, casting their clothes, shouting Hosanna. And the Pharisee came and said, Ah, uh-uh, shut up your mouth, stop praising God, stop doing those things. What was the response of Jesus? What was the response of Jesus? Jesus said, I tell you that if this should keep silent, the stone will immediately cry out. If these people should keep silent, the stone will immediately cry out. That was his response to the Pharisees when they want to shut these people off. They are praising God. Just like we can do this morning, we are doing this morning, we can be praising God. As good as it is, it wasn't a matter to Jesus. Jesus has options. If you cannot praise God, he has options. He can call stones to praise him. But what happened when he got into Jerusalem? When he met impurity? Did he ignore it? No. He cannot visit impurity. He cannot visit iniquity. For praises he can ignore. If you don't praise him, fine. But for God to visit you, there must be purity of mind. And when he gets into Jerusalem, he cried first. He saw the city of Jerusalem, he cried. I said, if you had known what will bring you peace. And thereafter, he went into the temple. I said, oh, this temple, they messed it up. Let's leave the temple for them. Let's ignore them. No, Jesus did not ignore them. He can ignore, he can tell the Pharisees that he has option. He has option for stones. But in this, 
when it comes to the matter of purity, when it comes to the matter of holiness, when it comes to the matter of our heart, God cannot ignore it. It must be cleansed for the King of Kings to come in. It must be clean for the King of Kings to come in. That was the experience of Jesus. That was to show that is to show us that all our activities, as good as they may be, as wonderful as may be, if a man does not have a pure heart, he does not possess the capacity to, to bring Jesus into his heart. Praise the Lord. Then we also see also action of God. We want to also look at what God, okay, we'll not read it. What God did when Moses came to the mountain and the people of God started worshipping calf. And uh, immediately they, they started doing all their evil things they are doing and they committed immorality. God called Moses. This is the height of it. I cannot continue. Go down. Go down to your people. And that is when God has started calling the people of God, which is called my people. At that point, because of iniquity, because he cannot behold sin, because he cannot visit the people in that kind of, in that form, he called them your people. Praise the Lord. So we move on. So we see that just as you have explained that without a pure heart, without a pure heart, and when we are talking of pure heart, we are looking at, I'm a child of God, I'm a born again, it's not a, I have a pure heart, but I want to go beyond that, which we all knew. How is your heart to your neighbor? It is not, it doesn't look sinful. It doesn't look wrong. But how is your heart to your, to, to your colleague in office? Sometimes you find out that you are just going to say, but if anything good is coming to somebody and you remember what it is for you, you did to you, you say, no, 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 no. Let's, let's move this thing away. How is your heart even to insurgency? I see some people when we are praying, they, they, they are looking they, um, about the insurgency. They, they feel like let's let all the Boko Haram people, eh, all the herdsmen, let them die. Eh? Yes, if we check our heart now, some of us are saying, if, if we announce now that all of them will die this morning, I know some of us will be happy. But that is what God is checking. That does not bring revival. That does not bring revival. So, I want us to, as we are going on, to check our hearts critically. Be sincere to yourself. The way I'm relating with this sister the way I'm relating with this brother, is my heart pure? If they say that this thing is, is his turn to take it, will I be happy over it? I know you don't commit all those sins, but that's why I shielded away from holiness. Purity of heart. Purity of heart. Bible says that blessed are those who are pure in heart. For only them, these are the people that will see God. May God help our hearts this morning as we meditate in his word to unravel every area of our, of our life where our heart is not pure, where our heart needs circumcision, where our heart needs to, to be ready, and that is purity, before we talk of revival, before we talk of God's visitation, it must start from a pure heart. And without a pure heart, God is not interested in visiting you. His revival is sure. He's willing to change his people. He's willing to turn around the situation. But it, it, it cannot be through you. He can pick another person. But if God, you want God to come, one for your own life, one for your family, 
It must come from a pure heart. It, it, it doesn't have any other option. Praise the Lord. When God began to make requests to visit or revival, it is actually a call for purity. James chapter 4. Look at James chapter 4 verse 8. And that person reads Second Chronicles 7 verse 4. 7 verse 14. James chapter 4 verse 8. But somebody read for me. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your heart, you sinners. So, we are still pushing on for us to see that what God needs is our heart. Drawing close to him, cleansing our heart from every purity. Let somebody read Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name we humble themselves and pray and pray and seek my face and seek my face and turn from their wickedness and turn from their wickedness. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will hear from heaven. And will forgive their sins. And forgive their sins. And heal their land. And heal their land. So when God wants to heal a land, the first thing is forgiveness of sin. God says, first, I will forgive their sins. Then I will heal their land. There is no other shortcut. When God is visiting a man, it must be unto a pure heart. He's willing to forgive sins. But he must do that before he visits you. So, as we are expecting God to visit us today, this year, I want us to continue to look at your heart. If your heart is actually pure. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we look at revolution. You know, I've said something like that before. We look at revolution in the country. We look at things. We hear that there is bomb somewhere else and all those things. We look at all those things. And we think... That, that it is revival. But I want to also let us know that revolution is not revival. That there was bomb in, in the north and it kills everybody. I say glory be to God. That is not revival. That there is earthquake and there is whatever it is. Sometimes our mind is drifted away because of that impure heart, we always think that those things that happen, those strategic things that happen, those tragedies that happen, that they are actually revival. But I want us to also look at it, that they are not revival. They are not the source of revival. Can we also check where the source of revival comes? First King 19, First King 19, First King 19, from verse 10. This is a story when, after Elisha killed 450 prophets of Baal, he started running so that uh, Jezebel would not kill him. And as he, he was running, all the stories, he get to a place, he was tired, God gave him food. After that, he ate another food and ran for 40 days, all those things. And we come to this point, verse 10. And so he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind 
tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after wind and earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and in his mantle went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, for the Lord God of hosts. Because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn your altars, and killed your prophet with the sword, I alone am left. They seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And, then you are, and when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king of Syria. And also... And you also anoint Jehu, the son of Nishi, as king over Israel. And Elijah, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Ebel, Ebel Meholah. For you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Praise the Lord. So, we look at the story of Elijah. Elijah. You know, I've said earlier that God is not in all those things. All those things we call revolution. All those agitation. Whether you carry placards, whether you do whatever you do, it is not the source of God visiting a man. It is not the source of God's of revival. So, Elisha staged a battle and almost won the battle. Killed all the prophets of Baal and ran away. And it looked like revival is coming. But he ran away. He couldn't stand. When he was not complaining to God from where we started reading, and God said, Okay, come out so that I'll meet with you. What did, Elijah, uh, uh, what did he show Elijah? There was wind, breaking rocks, breaking everywhere. But God is not in that wind. It is not about the wind blowing, it's not about every, all the news, bad news you are hearing. God is not in it. Earthquake came. He couldn't see God. Fire came. He couldn't see God. And God came. With what? With his words. That is where revival starts. Immediately Elijah heard the word of God. God gave him a specific instruction. Go. Anoint Jehu. Anoint Hazel. Anoint Elisha. Maybe if you, if you have time, you can go and read what these people did. So, I want to tell us that as we are looking at it, if we don't prepare our hearts for God to visit us, for God to speak into our hearts, we might be looking at the wind, we might be looking at the earthquake, we might be looking at the fire as if they are the revivers. They are not the revivers. The revival must start from the word of God. When a word of God comes to a man, when the word of God visits a man, when God speaks and you actually it out, out of his word. That is when the revival com comes. That is when a sustainable revival comes. And what Elijah didn't know, that initially thought that he was doing some, some things, after the, all the acrobatic he did, killed everybody, because he was fighting for God. He thought he's the only one remaining. Read down, God showed him there, there are other people remaining. He thought... I can fight it out. Once I kill all these people, everything will be okay. Once I kill all Boko Haram, once I kill all the herdsmen, once I slaughter people, once these people gone, once these people, this person come down from, the, from presidency, once this, this person is not more governor, that things will change. No, it will not change. That is not the problem. That is not the problem. They are not our problem. The problem is that, have you heard the word of God? Have you received the word of God? Has the word of God come to you? And the word of God comes to a man. It is specific. Specific instruction. Anoint these three people. That is all. Look at what Jehu did. 
Look at what Elisha did. And look at what Hazel did. And going down, he said, anybody that escaped the sword of Hazel, Jehu will kill. You escape Jehu, Elisha will kill. That is revival. In the land of Israel, and he now showed him, see, there are other people that have not bowed down to bow. That have not kneeled down to bow. But this is a man of God who thought he was fighting for God. He didn't see God in the wind. He didn't see God in the earthquake. He didn't see God in the fire. And God is not in all those things. God is coming to us only by his word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We look at also Isaiah to also explain this better. We look at Isaiah chapter 6 from verse 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Quickly, if you get to just read for me so that we proceed. Isaiah 6, from 6 to 8. mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sins purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Praise the Lord. So, we, this is the um, story of Isaiah. Isaiah, the prophet, you know, before now, Isaiah has been prophesying. But at this point, he came to a place where God had to show him his sins. And he now saw himself as an unclean man. And when his sins was forgiven, what happened next? There was a voice of God. The voice of God spoke to him and said, Who shall I send? Isaiah said, I will go. Then from verse 9, if you read down, you see all that God started telling him to go and do. My brothers, my sisters, revival that will start in our nation, that will start in the church, that will start in our family, it must be ignited by a man. That's when God was saying, I was seeking for a man. It was he looking for somebody whose heart is pure. The much God can do for you is to purify your heart. Is to bring help to you so that your heart will be pure before he brings his word. He cannot bring his word because word of God is God himself. He cannot bring it into a heart that is not pure. A prophet of God a strong man of God but his heart was not pure and because there was something that God wanted to do there was something that God wanted to do what did he do? he first of all convicted Isaiah he convicted Isaiah and Isaiah saw his sins and immediately he saw his sins he said ah I'm a man of unclean lips and when his sins was forgiven that is when the word of God came. Praise the Lord. So how could we, how could our hearts stop the move of God? It is possible that this heart that God still wants to visit, this heart that God wants to revive, it is possible that if we did not manage it very well, it can be the same heart that can quench the move of God. And we might be here Shouting, praying, crying for revival is good. But sometimes when you check your heart, you find out that your heart is saying opposite of what you are asking God to do. When you are asking God, revive your people. When you are going to change our nation, bring, bring righteousness into their church again. Bring holiness. Cause your church to be changed again. When you are saying it, quietly in our mind, do you know that sometimes if, if you are a beneficiary of any corrupt practice, eh? even when you are praying, you, in, in a way, assuming if revival comes and the Buhari goes out, you know, you know, you have your men that gives you contracts 
as far as Bugari is there. So even when you are praying, you know, your heart is on the other side. You, you wish, no, no, as you mean, that is the reviver. As you mean that the reviver is that they will change your uh, 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 um, leaders in your fellowship or anywhere in your office. You see, and this man is the only man that always comes sometimes when you have problems, you say, ah, what is it, what is it, take 2,000, take 5,000, go, 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 go. And you see people, and you know this man is, is stealing government funds, he's doing all kinds of things, and uh, uh, even when you are praying, your heart is opposing the revival you are praying for. So several times, we'll be crying to God, bring revival, God say, your heart is not encouraging revival. This heart I'm seeing that like, is crying to me, that bring revival, cause us to change. This heart I'm seeing is, is saying the opposite. I want to look at just few characters that in the Bible, they, they, they wanted God to change, change things, but in their hearts, it was not so. Luke chapter 9, 54, verse 54. Luke chapter 9, we see a heart that calls down fire on people. Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, verse 54 to 56. And when his disciples, his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And they went to another village. James and John, they are following Jesus. And I know Jesus came for revival. He came to preach the gospel. And he was going somewhere. And they blocked him. And they these, these two men of God, they want to exercise their power. They say, no, you see, these people don't have right to stop you. Just calm down fire. Let it consume them. The power you have, and you are asking God for revival, but you are wielding power to kill men. The power you are exercising. Whose soul will God now save when the revival comes? When, whose souls will God now touch when you are wielding strength or your energy to kill men? James and John says, Bring, let's call them fire. Let them die. These are the people Jesus came for. And if you read down, you also saw that when Jesus left them, you see, under revivals start happening. People start coming, oh Lord, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. But you see us today, you see a man of God, he's spending his time, he's spending his energy to curse, to, to call down fire, to whatever. I don't know how they, all the things they say, but... I see that for Jesus, it's a waste of time. For Jesus, it's a waste of time. Assuming Jesus was not there, and these two brothers, they have the power, what they would have done is to call down the, the fire. Yet, these are the people they, have, they are going to evangelize to. These are the people they want to go and preach to. These are the people they want God to convert them. But because they did something, they say, no, we'll call down the fire. May God help our hearts in Jesus' name. We also see another story. God instruct a heart that rejects God's instruction and does not agree with God. We look at Jonah's story. I will just run from here. We look at Jonah's story. A heart that rejects God's instruction. God sent Jonah to Nineveh and to deliver his people. What is Jonah doing where he was? Jonah was a man of God, preaching. 
And God said, go to this place. These people are dying. Jonah said, you will not go. So that is how God is sending us several times. We are calling for revival. But God is sending us, go. We say, we will not go. Instead, he bought a ticket to Tashish. And start going another way. But God showed him mercy. For me, I think Jonah wanted to commit suicide. He wanted to die. But God said no. Because by the time fish took him, what happened in the belly of the fish? Jonah cried unto God. He, he confessed his sin. He apologized to God. And God commanded the fish. If you read so, it's after his prayer that God now commanded his fish. So initially I was thinking that God just wants fish to swallow him and go and drop him there. He might have gone there and that is the end of his life. But when he cried and God commanded the fish to go and drop in Nineveh. And what happened? Bible said that the word of God came to Jonah the second time. The first time, Jonah wanted to frustrate it. He don't want to agree with God. He will not go. He will not do what God wants him to do. Praise the Lord. So we look at also a heart that is pure, that is not pure, that is a tribalistic heart. They are also one of the things that we carry in our hearts and that we not allow God to bring forth the revival in our midst. Look at Peter. When you look at Acts chapter 10, you know, Peter was having this mindset, this conception about the, the Gentiles. The revival that God wants to drive through the Gentiles could not happen because Peter is standing there and said, no, I will not go. I will not go. Those people, I will not go. What, what am I doing to the Gentiles? I will not go. But what did God do? To first of all help Peter, he gave him a trance. And he saw, I said, do not call anything I've created unclean. And from there, he saw a knock and was going to Cornelius' house. So, the much that God can do to you is to help you. But when Peter now gets to Cornelius' house, we know all what happens. But this is a revival that could have been quenched by a man of God who said that he will not go. You say that I'm tribalistic. Why do you want me to go and speak to our man? Why do you want me to go and speak to uh, Onyangwa? Why do you want me to go and speak to these people? If they bring people, somebody, and now somebody is going uh, um, by the side of this fence, and they say it's a Boko Haram person, and military catch him, eh? will you have mind to go and speak to him? If they say preach to him, say, no, 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 that is what Peter was was that was the state of his mind. Even though he's a child of God, but that was the state of his mind. I don't need Gentiles. I don't need to go and preach to Gentiles. And God had to help, help his heart. Praise the Lord. We also look at the case of David. Immoral heart and a heart that is quick to kill. You remember the case of David with uh, Uriah. When he slept with uh, Bathsheba, is the wife of Uriah, he planned everything. You know, what was happening then was the people of God was in a battle. They were fighting a battle. And the king, what do you think that could be the prayer of the king? A king that his people are fighting battle, what could be the, the prayer of the king? Victory. And they, their victory should be as soon as possible. Nobody wants to stay in the one front forever. If I can defeat them in five days, it's better. If three days is okay, it's better. That was the people of God fighting war. But because of iniquity of this man, because of the sin of this man, he gave a letter to kill a man. That means in his heart, eh, he, no, he, he wanted the war to continue at least for two days. Because if he was writing the letter and he saw Joab coming, we are victorious, hey, we are victorious, they are coming back. What will David do? He said, ah! I don't die. How will I not kill Uriah? How will I not kill Uriah? To tell you that even though his heart wants God's people to be victorious, 
Even though he wants God's people to, be, to defeat their enemies, but his immorality, his, his, his bent on killing, no, he's opposing the revival. He said, go, write the letter. God, please, let them not defeat them till now, till they killed Uriah. Go and take the letter until they kill Uriah. If they need to fight for more than 10 days, it's okay. Let them stay there. But let them kill Uriah. A man that is expecting God's deliverance. A man that is expecting God's revival. This is the state of his heart that was opposing God's revival. And we look at also an impure heart. We look at the case of Adam and Eve. We saw that when God created them, the Bible said that at the eve of evening, God come down to do what? To commune with them. God come down to discuss with them. You don't need to, you don't need to shout prayer, prayer before God comes. Every evening he comes. He relates with his people. But immediately, immediately sin came in. What did they do? Bam. God still came. And he couldn't see them where he, they used to meet. And he saw that they have committed sin. And what happened? The relationship that Adam wished to have with God all the time. The revival, I will put it this way, that God wants to start with Adam and bring upon the earth, stopped because a man decided to live in iniquity, decided to live in impure hearts. My brother, my sister, um, if we want to go on and on, we don't have much time. But I want us to know that our heart is the primary ground for revival. If my heart is not clean, even if you can pray, you can pray anything you can pray, you can sing anything you can sing, but if your heart is not pure, God is saying, no, 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 no. I will not go there. I will not go there. It doesn't matter. Prayer is good. Prayer can make God to come to your help. You can sing. They are all good. You can prophesy. There are several other things you can do. And God says, yes, this is my son. But when it comes to revival, for God to knock at your door and visit, I say, I'm coming to use you. It must have been in a pure heart. So if we're expecting God's visitation, if you're expecting revival, and you don't have a pure heart, may I tell you that God will not visit you. God will not visit you. Other people might enjoy it, but you will not enjoy it. Just like the man that confronted Elisha. I said, even if God opens the windows of heaven, he confronted God, he even accused God that God doesn't have anything. His heart is not ready for revival. When other people that had the word of Elisha, they just kept it in their heart. I was like, hey, God, help us with this thing beat so tomorrow. He said, the man just came and said, it, it is impossible. I said, okay, you see it with your eyes, but you will not benefit from it. May God help us that we not see revival coming in our days with our eyes and we will not be beneficiaries of it. In Jesus' name. In conclusion, We also, I also noticed that God's visit to a man in two ways. God's visit to a man can happen in two ways. All we have discussed all this why, to me, is the second way. Is God visiting his children but I also realize that God can take a trip to somebody's heart that is a sinner. But he's coming there for us just one purpose. To convict you from sin, of sin, and bring you in. So, the first visit that God visits any man that he will ever use is first to convict you of your sin. His second visit is for exploit. The one we are talking of. Reviver. But the first reviver for any man 
is what? Is conviction of your sin. And we can see that in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. Let's quickly read Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, so that we tie it off from there. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, now for salvation. His first visit is to cleanse you from sin. The first visit of God is to cleanse you from sin. And if you have not been cleansed from sin, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. The second visit cannot happen. To save you is not possible. For exploit is not possible. For deliverance is not possible. The first visit must happen. And that is when the only visit that God is coming to a person that has sinned. Because he's coming you know, to clean up the sin. Once he wipes off the sin, then he will not come in. Praise the Lord. We, we can place it, we can demonstrate it in this way. You know, a, a, we have pregnant women, we call them spent-out mothers. And I, I came to realize that it's not possible for you to be a pregnant mother without a seed being introduced in you. It's not possible. You can't be expectant. And if you're expecting revival, God said, you cannot expect revival. There is nothing to expect. I cannot visit you except if the seed, which is the word of God, is first planted in you. If it is not first planted in you, what are you expecting? Even if you are big, even if your tummy is big, even if your leg is swollen, even if whatever happened to all pregnancy women happened to you, and they said, there is no seed inside though, what would the doctor say? They say, there is nothing he is expecting. He is not expecting anything. First, there will be a seed. And that seed is the one that will germinate. And then, for a few months, they will say, ah, she's expecting something. She's expecting something. Praise the Lord. May I tell you that if the seed of God is not in you, if you have not given your life to Christ, if God is not your Lord and your Savior, if you are still living in sin, if the seed, which is the word of God, is not first planted in you, there is no need discussing of any other thing. You can't expect revival. Revival cannot come to you. You cannot have a pure heart. You don't even have the capacity to have a pure heart. Because the seed is not in you. It is as the seed is introduced, then we'll be talking of when will it deliver? Is it nine months? Is it whatever time? When will it deliver? How will you take care of it? If you do not plant a seed on a soil, how can you be expecting corn where you do not plant corn? Before you go to your field and plant and expect corn, you must plant the seed of corn. And then you start going to the farm. When will I weed it? When will I harvest it? How will I just arrange the corn very well? so that they will grow very well. All those things, but the starting point is that the seed must be planted. And I also realize that the seed cannot be planted anywhere. And it cannot be planted anyhow. It must be planted on a fertile ground. If a heart of man is not, is not convicted, if the heart of man is not melted, the seed of God cannot be planted in such a man. May I tell you that if the seed of God has not been planted in you, you cannot expect revival. You cannot expect God's visitation. God cannot visit you. Maybe some other people can tell you, hey, God can visit you. Shout hallelujah. God, we come down. No problem. But we are looking at the scripture. The Bible says, without holiness, it is impossible. It is impossible to see God. It is impossible 
And that is the word of God. So forget about whatever people are telling you. Whether they are telling you, you can make it, you cannot make it somewhere else, whatever you hear else, anywhere, but the word of God is sure and is true. Isaiah 59 verse 1 and 2 says that my hand is not short to deliver. My ear is not heavy to hear. But what separates us from me, you and me, is because of your iniquity. Is this sin? Is this impure heart? Is this unholy life? Is this impurity? That is the only thing that makes God not to stretch a hand of fellowship to you. Not to come to you. Not to visit you. He cannot do that. He cannot visit you. Once there is sin, he said, that is the only thing that separates us from you. I have the power to deliver Nigeria. I have the power to deliver the church. I have the power to deliver the family. I have the power to deliver you. I have the power to deliver the world. I have the power to deliver anything I want to deliver. But if there is sin, I will stay away. I will stay by the other side. My power will look like it's powerless. My power will look useless, no problem. I will keep my power. Once there is iniquity, God will not continue to exert his power. He has the power to do all those things. Are you saying this morning that you want to make peace with God? That you want to make peace with God? The first thing is the seed. If the seed is not planted in you, we have wasted our time. You have wasted your time praying for revival. You are wasting our time staying in this church and crying for revival and say, God, revive us in the midst of the years. God, revive us. We want a change. We want this. We want to see the finger of God. We want to see the power of God in our midst. All those things that are good. But God is saying to you, if you have not given your life to Christ, this is an opportunity for you to do that. Let us pray. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that write every moment I'm Lord, I give you my heart. Is Satan the one controlling your heart before now? Are you saying, God, this heart cannot receive revival if it was not given to you first? This heart of sin cannot change if the seed of God is not fair planted in it. And God wants to plant his seed in you. Are you here and you have not given your life to Christ? I want to give you opportunity to do so. Quietly just raise your heart, right hand. Say, Lord, I've heard your word. I've seen that it is not possible for me to have you handle my case. It's not possible for me to be a friend of God. It's not possible for me to relate with you with this kind of heart I'm carrying. With this kind of sin. Can you quickly raise your hand up? If you are saying, God, this morning I surrender my life. I give up my heart to you. This morning I give up my heart. Yes. Can you just raise your hand? If you are saying to God, we've seen it all, it's not about, it's not about coming to church, it's not about the prayer, it's not about the singing, it's about the heart. And God cannot visit any man's heart. God cannot visit any, anybody's heart. 
Even if I have to visit you for a, a sin, it is as you hear the word of God, you get convicted, then the word of God will be planted in you. Can you raise your hand if you are one of them, if you are, if you are surrendering your life to Christ? Can you raise your hand? Praise the Lord. If you want to surrender that heart to God this morning, because Jesus has been standing at the door of that heart and knocking, you have been giving excuses, you've been rationalizing, you've been wishing it away. But this morning, you do not want that to happen. He wants to come visit, stay with you. Repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you. You love me. You went to the cross of Calvary. You paid the price of my sin. You shed your blood on the cross of Calvary for my life, for my heart, for my sin, in order that I might be reconciled to you. I'm sorry for my past sin. I'm sorry for my hard heart. I'm sorry for my hardness. I'm sorry from all that have kept you away from me. I turn from them all and I repent. Come into my life. I open the door of my heart unto you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. And give me the power to live for you. Thank you as you hear me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer sincerely, with all sincerity, just raise your hand where you are. Please stand where you are. Please walk down here. Let the whole congregation join to also affirm. Please walk down. Nothing to be ashamed of. Wherever else you are, please walk down. And for the rest of us, Psalm 139, verses 23-24. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there is any wicked way, any ungodly way, any unrighteous way, any hidden sin, any area where as you are visiting, I will say, wait at the door, give me five minutes. Let me cleanse this dirty heart. If there is any, that is what God is saying this morning. I have come to visit, but I'm kept at the door because somebody needs time to cleanse the things that have been hidden and kept away in the heart. Ask him, Lord. I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm asking for cleansing. That's my heart desire. And as you also stretch forth your hands towards this one. Father, as your daughter has come, pleading with all her heart, let the old things pass away in the name of Jesus. Let all things become new in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe with our heart unto righteousness, according to your word. We confess with our mouth unto salvation, and every one out of this depth of conviction that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You will leave a deposit of your spirit in that one to show that you have come. You have not only visited, you have taken a dwelling. May that be her portion now in the name of Jesus Christ. And from now on, later on, in the path of righteousness, in the path of godliness, in the path of sincerity, and in the path of a genuine walk with you, the rest of the days of our life, to the glory of your name, making heaven at last. In Jesus' name we pray. Create me a new heart, O Lord. And renew thy spirit within me. Psalm 51, verse 10. Creating 